Welcome back to the Oklahoma Today podcast, bringing you all the best our state has to offer. This week, we're prepping for our next deadline and talking with one of our favorite writers, Kresh Ali Lasana, about his recent feature, Bass Unmasked, and about the uh, famed lawman Bass Reeves, which you can find in the latest issue of our magazine. But first, our question of the week, we asked you, what historic Oklahoman would you like to meet? First up, Editor-in-Chief Nathan Gunner. It's so hard. Uh, I, I have been racking my brain about this one, and I'm just going to cheat a little and say two. Uh, Clara Looper, she's a hero. She's one of the biggest heroes in the history of the state, and I would love to, uh, I don't know, buy her whatever her favorite food is. Like, she deserved it, and she's amazing, and so that's number one. But also, I love, love, love Roger Miller. Um, he grew up out... He grew up, yeah, out in Western Oklahoma like I did. I grew up loving his music. King of the Road is literally one of the best songs ever written. Agreed. Uh, he's great. He's my hero. He's another one of my heroes, and I love him. So, yeah, Clara Looper and or Roger Miller would be great. Well, dang me uh, for not thinking <laughs> about that one, because uh, I I also love his stuff. Uh, yeah, um, I have to pick Will Rogers because I would absolutely love to get his opinions on everything that is going on in Oklahoma and the world today. I think he'd have a lot to say, and I think it would be very funny and very insightful because that's always who he was. So, yeah, I would. I Yeah, I would definitely I would give one of my fingers to be able to have a conversation with Will Rogers, honestly. Wow. 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 Not an important one, like a pinky or something. Right. I mean, yeah, you're not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Research editor Ben Lucian, uh, who would you pick? I'm going to go with, and this guy was not uh, technically born in Oklahoma, but absolutely uh, an Oklahoman in every way. I'm going to say Bill Brom. I've just got to thank the guy in person, the guy who started it all, you know. Uh, where would we be without drums? You'd be in a much sadder place. Absolutely. We'd be in a place where I couldn't get my dad to eat anything. So. <laughs> Greg, what about you? Uh, speaking of, my uh, my answer is uh, it comes from my dad. Uh, he was always a talk radio guy, usually sports. Uh, so I heard a lot of Al Eshback uh, as a kid and was scarred for life by it. Uh, but also the Prairie Home Companion, uh, oh, yeah. lots of news. And when I first heard Tulsa's own Paul Harvey with the rest of the story, uh, that's, yes, he always had such fascinating takes. I always wanted to sit down with that guy and hear what some of his favorite stories were, because the ones uh, there were so many I heard that just like that have stuck with me to this day that I'm still like, oh, I, I learned that one from Paul Harvey, um, you know, and that, that little boy who nobody liked was Roy Cohn. <laughs> oh, man. Joke. Anyway. Well, we had. um <laughs> Carly, you'll be happy to know that you and the vast majority of our readers all agree, Will Rogers. I mean, like 99% of our social media followers said Will Rogers. Uh, and they didn't go into all the. All Don't the you guys feel like if Will Rogers was around today, he'd like be the host <clears throat> of the Daily Show? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Something like, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. Curtis Vap said, I don't, re- I don't guess they're historic, but I'd like to talk to my grandfathers. They both farmed and ranched one in K County and the other in Osage County. Oh, I have uh, to amend my, I have to amend mine. Okay. My great, 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 great parents who rented land from Bell Star. 
Yeah. Them. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. That's a good one, though, dude. Uh, one passed when he was 10, the other when he was two. So he'd like to talk farming and family with them, which oh, I, nice. I appreciate. Jay Damn. Stevenson said Jim Thorpe. Um, good one. Preston Lee said uh, either Sam Walton or David Green, two of the state's uh, uh, biggest entrepreneurs. Uh, Richard Davis had Pretty Boy Floyd. Uh, Marvin Hawkins said uh, Alice Harrell Murray, the first lady of Oklahoma and a Chickasaw. Uh, Drake Fulmer uh, said Mickey Mantle, of course, the Mick. Good one. Uh, Brenda Goodger uh, said Carl Albert, I think one of Oklahoma's really political highlights in the past. Uh, Timothy Bradford said uh, Ralph Ellison. So another Good one. Uh, yeah, lots and lots of them. Uh, Katie Roberts McBurnett said, I wish I could meet and speak with either Wilma Mankiller or Maria Tallchief. Both are deceased, but are no less important. Yeah. Uh, and then Charles Smith very helpfully uh, threw in Bass Reeves. Uh, so, which I thought was a nice one uh, before thank we. Thank you uh, for that segue. Uh, oh, thank you. Yes. Charles slip him a couple of bucks <laughs> under the table. Uh, so now let's talk to uh, Koresh uh, Ali Lansana about Bass Reeves. And now we are very happy to welcome in one of our favorite writers, Koresh Ali Lansana, who uh, did a great story for us in our most recent issue, Bass Unmasked. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Q. Um, it is a pleasure to be here. Um, we obviously your name starts with Q, but also you're just you're you're powerful, like both the Star Trek and Bond characters. So <laughs> we you know, it's Q. Um Dude, I loved this story about Bass Reeves. I learned so many things that I did not know about this legendary figure. Tell me about the process of putting this story together and kind of what, what you learned about, about Bass in, in, this, in this journey. Well, first of all, it was a, it was a great pleasure to, um, to, to dive into this story. Bass Reeves has been, um, I will say, a part of my, of my intellectual and creative uh, curiosity and um, and life for a number of years. Um, I'm actually right now working on a series of books on the Black Rodeo. So um, Bass Reeves has been um, a figure in history and particularly Oklahoma history and Black Oklahoma history. It's, it's been um, intriguing to me for a number of years. So um, it was great to have Nick Alexandrov help me dive into the deep dive on the research. Um, but one of the things about <clears throat> excuse me about bass that you know again i've always been very fascinated with um is if he was you know the rumors and the truth about whether or not he was actually the lone ranger actually if the lone ranger character first from radio in detroit and then you know hollywood was actually based on bass reeves i'd always learned and heard and researched that in fact that was the case and that the states you know uh, we're not ready for a, a black cowboy, um, you know, superhero, if you will. Um, and so and, and I've been intrigued by that particular aspect of this history for decades. So it was wonderful to be able to dig in, um, to lean into that history, that aspect of Bass. Um, and in fact, you know, in my opinion, he is the basis for the Lone Ranger. Right. Um, and I think, you know, the United States may not be, have, they certainly weren't ready for it in the thirties and they're not ready for it now either. <laughs> either. Um, but that's one of the many things, um, that I learned about Bass. Well, that I kind of already knew, but one of the other aspects of his life that I found really fascinating 
um, was the time that he was actually the valet um, for for Colonel Reeves, um, actually went to war with him, um, you know, was his servant, his manservant. Um, and then got into a fight with him and punched him in the face. <laughs> well, I mean, great. think about it though. Like a dude, like dude took him to war to fight for his right to keep owning him. Like right. I think I'd be ticked off too. Right. Like, right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's a fascinating moment in, in history to think about. Right. And that, yeah. you know, there were many valets um, for, for Confederate soldiers in particular um, who were, you know, enslaved Africans and to think oh about what you just said, right? I mean, it was, that was the norm for soldiers who came from wealth story, uh, soldiers who came from means that was, that was the norm, you know? Um, and so to think about what you just said, Nathan, that there were enslaved Africans serving men who were fighting to keep them enslaved. Yeah. And many of those folks had no, not had very little knowledge, right. That the union at the time, anyway, that the union army was actually fighting in part to free them from this bondage, you know, specifically those those southern states that it succeeded. So, yeah, it's, you know, more the more we learn about uh, about history, the more we understand how entangled all of our all of our journeys are. Uh, But it's a fascinating history. He was an amazing, amazing human being. It's quite a story that he ran away, that he ran off, hit off with the Ketawa for a while, uh, fought with them um, after punching his owner in the face, right? Um, and then what he accomplished after that, you know, um, yeah. it's just, just remarkable. I got to say, high on my list of historical moments I would love to observe with my own two eyes would be Bass Reeves punching Colonel Reeves in the face. Yeah. That's way up there for me. That's a good one, right? You think about that. <laughs> That's a good one. And then to think about, again, like, you know, it reminds me, I, I wrote a book several years ago on Harriet Tubman. And one of the things that many folks, some folks know, some folks don't know about Harriet Tubman, right, is that she served for as a spy for the Union um, in the latter years of the war because she knew the terrain so well. She led a, she led a couple of battalions of all black soldiers, all black regiments into battle because she knew she she was a boss and she knew the land. Right. Yeah. And think about that. <clears throat> excuse me. And then, you know, and then sort of connect that to what Bass did, you know, as a as a as a deputy U.S. marshal, having known the land, known the terrain, learning several languages, knowing several indigenous languages and how because he hit out with the Kettle and he hung out with, the you know, yeah. with the Cherokee. Um, and then being so successful um, as a marshal because of that knowledge of the terrain and also um, because of those languages. And then also, again, his master's, you know, he was a master of disguise. So um, and that was just so, 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 so smart, too. Um, but it's really fascinating as well. Right. How to be how to be that inconspicuous and be that tall, <laughs> be that big of a man. Right. With this very distinct mustache, like and how do how do you hide? You hide behind trees. Like I know I, I loved the story about him dressing up like he was just kind of a, you know, just sort of a, a beggar or whatever, I think was the word. Yeah, beggar. Yeah. 
uh, and sort of infiltrating this gang and their mom. Mm-hmm. I loved that story because, again, it kind of it, it did. How did they not recognize him? He was a very singular physical presence. Yeah, it is fascinating, particularly that story where he, you know, actually ended up in the home, you know, in the room. <laughs> and mom goes out and talks to her gangsta sons and they come in and then they go to sleep and he, you know, he convinces them that uh, convinces mom that they should all be in the room together. And then, I mean, that's crazy. It's it is that more than anything else really is the, is that superhero kind of story, like the twists and the turns and you're just like, and the fact that it really happened, uh, you know, is, is part of what makes them so legendary. I I really appreciate what you brought up, which is that the, the, um, the facts of his escape from bondage were absolutely uh, integral to him becoming the lawman that he was. Uh, you know, if it, if if it hadn't have been for that, he wouldn't be the Bass Reeves that uh, that we know. Yeah, that's correct. And again, one of those my columns are those those sort of conflagration or, or uh, sort of places where history intersects in so many ways, where they, the moments intertwine and they change the course of of history, right? Um, and that was certainly among them to me, you know, and think about that, think about, you know, what was going on in the state and in the country at the time, too. So, um, yeah, it's a fascinating moment in history where um, if one thing had been different, right, um, we wouldn't know his name. Probably we wouldn't know he would not have been uh, the marshal and the um and the lawman uh, of the of the region that we all know, you know, if that, that one thing. thing had that, that was one thing that kind of interested me, too. You know, at one point that he was recruited partially because the the ter- Indian Territory needed minority law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so such a fascinating thing for people in the 1870s to realize yeah. You know, that they needed that they needed to have this outreach to minority community, not even outreach, but they needed to have someone in these minority communities that the communities felt like they could trust. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, you know, again, if we want to make that parallel to uh, law enforcement today. Right. If we want to go down that rabbit hole, um, <laughs> it's an interesting parallel um, mm-hmm. when we think about, you know, again, the fact that, you know, Bass you know, arrested and or, you know, um, had to, you know, kill, you know, folks who look like him, black folks, white, white, you know, bootleggers and murderers, um, indigenous criminals as well. His Um, own son he arrested, which is one of the most fascinating bits of his entire story. Yeah. He was so dedicated to, for lack of a better term, the rule of law that he literally apprehended his own child and sent him to prison. It's a unique show of integrity and dedication that I I think is fascinating. And I'm interested, too, in how someone who uh, at one point was enslaved by the rule of law Mm -hmm. could become so dedicated to it. I find that a really interesting kind of, for lack of a better term, spiritual journey for a person to take. Mm -hmm. It's spiritual and it's also interesting as a historian, right? It's. You know, I think about that in the in relationship to, you know, World War One that would be coming shortly thereafter. And the fact that World War One was the first uh, time that black men could serve on behalf of the country in, in, in the armed services. Yeah. Um, and then and had a great deal. Right. Of patriotism and pride 
um, connected yeah. to that service, right? Um, and left Jim Crow to go do this service and came back to Jim Crow um, and Red Summer occurred, which was what? White, uh, white primarily white veterans killing uh, black veterans initially and then just black people in general because they felt like after the war, after serving time in Europe, that black folks came back with a different kind of understanding of what patriotism was, right? And yeah. returned to, uh, and, and the white veterans and the white folks didn't like it, you know, in addition to the fact that the migration, the, the migrations had occurred. And so now they're neighbors, now they're, now they're on the factory assembly lines, you know, in the second wave of the industrial revolution, whereas, you know, because this, this mass movement, <clears throat> excuse me, of black folks had just occurred from the South and now they're, they're, they're next to you. Oh, and we're going to try and unionize them too. Right. And so to think about that um, in in context to and just, you know, and this was just a few years, few decades after. Right. And we're still talking about with Bass Reeves, we're talking about black Oklahomans, black folks who are still who are still enslaved. Right. Black folks in who are in, in what was called Indian Territory. Right. Or rather freedmen. Um, married into one of the five tribes um, or property, you know, of one of the five tribes. And then this war occurs, <clears throat> excuse me, so the civil war occurs. And as you both know, uh, the Oklahoma's five tribes were sort of torn. Most of them uh, fought on the Confederacy. The Cherokee had an internal fight about who we're going to side with. Yeah, which is um, actually another story in this same issue. We have a yeah. whole story about that. I thought they were really, the two, your piece and that piece were really interesting companions to each other for that reason. Yeah. Well, I need to read that, although I know this history, <laughs> but I will read that piece. Um, and then understand, and then taking that, that kind of, I don't know, that kind of, you know, you call it spiritual. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a really profound kind of relationship to law, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the black men returning from World War One had it with this understanding that we just saw millions of folks die. We almost got killed ourselves and come back home and nothing's changed for black folks, right? Bass Reeves, valet in the Civil War, escapes, right? then becomes a lawman and is following the rule of, of law like, you're right, like it's spiritual to them. So it's really fascinating, right? It's a deep, deep conviction, you know? Like, you know, Greg, you, do you feel anything with that kind of conviction in your life right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm deeply committed to grits. Uh, that's probably... <laughs> We want to get down to it when we shake all my core beliefs down. I, I truly do think grits are one of the greatest breakfast foods ever, but that's, that's it. Yes. Uh, and he and know. I are in a holy war about that. Yes. I do not. believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I have mixed feelings about grits too. I'd rather just have some, some good hash browns myself. There you go. I'm kind of, kind of in that lane, you know, yeah. what? But, but, I, but I respect the grits. Go ahead. Greg. Oh, uh, <laughs> One See, look, there's room for everybody. <laughs> Thank there's you. room for everybody in America. Uh, one thing that surprised me was that uh, Bass Reeves actually was put on trial for murder himself. Right. Um, and uh, and uh, for killing a, a, a posse cook uh, accidentally, uh, right. it was claimed. So, you know, uh, 
and and to uh, he really was on on every side of the issue. He saw it from from every vantage point, um, and, and uh, you know, and even then continued in his life and was a, a, a was a police officer in Muskogee. Right, right, yeah, and that's interesting how you said that, Greg. You're right because he has, he had been fugitive, right, or he's been he'd been outlaw. Um, you know, he'd been wanted, then he, you know, he'd become lawman, then he's been, you know, he's arrest folks, he's killed folks, and then he's also stood trial, you know? Yeah. So you're right, that would, one would think, right, that that would provide some, provide an individual a very unique sort of balanced, impartial kind of way of seeing and moving through the world. You know, I don't think that that's not always the case. We can't always assume that, you know, but it seemed like for him, that he did walk with a kind of balance with that regard, you know, based on, based on what I know, based on my research. Hmm. Wow. I think it's really interesting too, you know, we kind of touch on this, you touch on this in the story, but um, there has been sort of this pop culture renaissance for Bass Reeves, but not just Bass Reeves. And here's what I find really interesting about this for black history in Oklahoma has kind of shown up in pop culture way more than we're used to seeing it. We saw Watchmen with this, Mm -hmm sort of unprecedented cinematic depiction of the Tulsa race massacre that we've really never seen on a screen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also featured um, Bass Reeves sort of mm-hmm. in, a, in a cameo role. You've got this upcoming Paramount Plus show that's going to be a spinoff of Yellowstone that's about Bass. There's been movies and uh, it's really interesting to me how Black history in Oklahoma has been sort of making this this showing in pop culture lately. What do you what do you think that's what do you think that is? It, I no, go ahead. You finish your thought. That, that's that's kind of it. I realized that was at the end of my thought. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. You know, I think it's I, I agree with you that it's really sort of fascinating. It's interesting. Um, I think in part, certainly with the centennial of the of the Tulsa race massacre in 21, so last yeah. year, um, that uh, the centennial brought a, 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 a certainly a spotlight on that history, um, and you know with several documentary films um, and and so on and so forth. But um, and then I also think because of that spotlight on um, on the on the centennial of the massacre, <clears throat> excuse me, sort of opened up the. The, the 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 nation in ways to well let's see what else how did this history what else happened here right yeah. um what what else manifested and i i think that's one i think it sort of sort of opened the door to you know folks saying oh oklahoma's a very interesting state so i think that the centennial the spotlight on the centennial opened up uh, the nation's sort of sleeping attention about this place that they fly over right i call it the walmart republic right but um it sort of reopened an interest into what else has happened here, right? And so then you get into, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the success of my boy Sterling Harjo's show, Reservation Dogs, yeah. has also um, been a factor in all of this as well. Um, and then I think in the in 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 a couple other things, in in the the public's imagination, um, we're still the public is still kind of intrigued by Western. Still intrigued by, you know, Western expansion, you know, yeah. Manifest Destiny is still a part of a, a pop culture television and film. Right. Um, they don't use the term Manifest Destiny anymore, but that's really what it is. And I think that that has also opened up 
this uh, folks' ideas or, or, or notions of what is, you know, what is a cowhand, or which was the original term before what was a cowboy, which was a derogatory term, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then learning, you know, again, this idea that folks don't want to wrap their brain around the fact that there was a period of time where, what, four out of five cowboys were black. Like, folks, that's not a part... That's not a part of the normal sort of public imagination about the wild, wild west. Right. Yeah. No, I thought Sidney Poitier was an anomaly. I just thought that was a, a bad movie. Right. No. Right. That that black folks were a part of that westward movement. Right. Um, and that black folks, because we were working the cattle, working the animals. Right. Had a relationship with with the livestock, with the horses that led to building a relationship that would be known now as cowboys and cowgirls and rodeos and such. Right. Um, And so I think that's, I think all of that's a part of it. I think for Oklahoma, it started with in the last few years with the centennial and then folks are just sort of expanding that um, expanding that history. And actually it's a good thing. Yeah. um, As long as it's done accurately, (laughs) it's a good thing. Right. Right. Um, another thing that, uh, talk a little bit about, um, cause we've got the Bass Reeves history conferences coming up in Muskogee, mm-hmm. uh, later this month. And you went last year as part of this story. Talk a little bit about that and kind of what people, what kind of what you saw and experienced there. Well, first of all, it was, it was wonderful. Um, you know, and Art Burton, who I, uh, I cite uh, on a few occasions, who would be the most noted historian of, of this, uh, of this American history. Um, uh, he spoke and, you know, he's just a wonderful man and a wealth of knowledge. Um, and yeah. uh, I was really honored to be in the in a space with him um, and to learn from him. And then, you know, I met um, I spent a great deal of time with the poet who I um, who I cited in the magazine. That Of course, we did, didn't make it into the magazine, um, but uh, the poet I met who. Um, is uh, a historian of the Buffalo soldiers who were really based largely in Lawton. Right. Um, and thinking about that, that the, the 24th infantry, one of the first black um, calvaries was assigned to um, so assigned to pr- protecting the Northern border of Oklahoma from boomers coming in from Kansas, trying to you know, settle the land. Right. Yeah. So think about that in the history of race relations in this state. Right. But um, I so I spent a lot of time with that gentleman talking, learning from him about the history of the Buffalo Soldiers and Henry O. Flipper um, that there is. And we should do a, something on this, too, that Absolutely. there is there's a black um, there's a black war museum at Fort Sill. OK, Right. And I've been been meaning to get I'm going to I've been meaning to mention that to you. But there's a black sort of a black civil, uh, a black war museum um, at, at Fort Sill. And in that there's uh, some of Henry O. Flippers, who was the first black graduate of West Point. Some of his artifacts, he was stationed wow. at Fort Sill for a bit learned some some amazing stories about Henry O. Flipper, who, you know, was married to a well to do white woman in a time when that was not. You know, that was not the thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, many Buffalo soldier uh, artifacts and whatnot there at Fort Sill. So I, that's something we have to get like it's a museum within a museum within the fort. Right. So we have to get like special, super 
clearance yeah. to get in there. But I think it's a, I think it'd be a wonderful story. Um, I agree. Let's do that. Yeah, let's let's do do that. So let's yeah, let's start let's start talking about that. Um, and so I learned that which I didn't know at at the Bass Reeves conference. So um, it was a it was an incredible day. I learned a great deal, um, and it was it was remarkable to be surrounded by folks who were so invested in this history still. Um, and so, you know, it, it reminds me, right. So one of the things I think about, as I mentioned, I'm working on um, some books on the black rodeo. And so when I go, um, when I go to black rodeos um, in the last few years, I, what you experience and I recommend everyone go, cause it's a cultural phenomenon. Like you've like, if there's nothing like let it compared to like the PBR or whatever, Oh man! Uh, pro wrestling circuit is just no comparison. They, they, there's no comparison. No. And so um, there's a lot to be learned from sort of this the the the, the study of, of I don't know of the, of the culture the country we, we don't call it country culture can we do that we don't yeah. call it country country culture right country um, yeah you're looking yeah, at no. country. Yeah. <laughs> just don't get me to listen to any Garth Brooks. That's not going to happen. I'll, I'll listen to the Garth Brooks for you. I got, okay, I got you. You good. Okay. Yeah. You have that. I got it. Well, uh, folks, thank you. Uh, Q, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast today. We really love talking to you. I, I, I know for sure we'll want to have you back for, uh, for another story. Uh, Absolutely. Coming We're up. Talk about those Buffalo soldiers. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, readers, if you haven't yet, please do go out and pick up the latest issue. Uh, Bass Unmasked is in there and it, it is a rollicking tale, uh, and a lot of really great fun history, uh, that I think you're going to want to share with everybody. But, uh, uh, Q, thanks so much for coming on. We really love having you. Thanks for having me, Greg and Nathan. Appreciate All right. it. And that was a good story. Can you believe that? I, it was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, I, I love, how deep into this stuff uh q goes like it's yeah. really uh I, I i loved that story i love talking to q too yeah uh well all right it's time to uh, once again plumb the depths of travelok.com's calendars for our weekly pod events and first up this week is ben uh so do you all know the best thing about exercise no when it's nope. over no <laughs> no one does the best thing about exercise is that you get to make room for more, more donuts, more good things. There you go. You know, just clearing out space. Similarly, uh, the real perk to all the spring cleaning we've been doing is uh, to make room for more uh, cheaply priced wicker baskets, uh, ottomans, uh, uh, big mouth, billy bass, wall ornaments, uh, all these things that we love so much. Uh, thankfully, Duncan's annual summer tradition, the world's largest garage sale, is the perfect place to load up on uh, the timeless treasure we know as one man's trash. More precisely, though, the items available at the 37th annual world's largest garage sale represent the discarded and unwanted wares of many, many people. The residential streets and sidewalks will be lined with amateur vendors seemingly transforming the entire town of over 22,000 to a massive flea market. It's certainly enough to live up to the event's lofty title. And by extension, I guess this also makes the town of Duncan the world's largest garage, at least for this weekend. Finally, something large enough for my F-450. 
The world's largest garage sale will be taking place Friday and Saturday all across Duncan. You're free to merely peruse the items if you're feeling nosy, but real pros know not to show up without a trailer or at least some space cleared out in the back of the SUV because eventually uh, you're going to find that vintage liquor cabinet just calling your name. For more information, call 580-252-2900 or check out visitduncan.org. All right. Uh, Carly, what's your event this week? Was there ever a fruit with a better marketing team than the peach? Think about it. If things are going well, we often refer to life being peachy keen. If you have a crush on somebody, they are just peachy. And what would any wedding, birthday, or really upbeat funeral be like without peaches and herbs, shake your groove thing? (laughs) All in all, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone fervently anti-peach. There certainly won't be any of those pit pessimists at the Porter Peach Festival. July 14th through 16, peach proponents can fill up on the fresh fuzzy fruit at Livesey Orchards, try some tasty peachified desserts from the peach barn, and line up for a free scoop of peaches and ice cream. Thankfully, there are a lot of activities, too, to help make room between portions of peaches. There's an auction, a parade, a Porter's Got talent show, and Mrs. Parnell's Peach Things cooking contest. Admission is free, but be warned, if you want your pick of this bumper crop, show up early. Check out Porter Peach Festivals, that's festivals with an S, dot com for more info. I've actually been to that before. It's so fun. But they run out of fresh peaches like pretty quickly. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Like the ice cool. cream, they didn't. They did that like okay. in the afternoon. So you could you probably get ice cream, you know, but like kind of hang near where they're doing it. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty to go around. And we I, I went with my mom and we bought a bushel of peaches and that was easy. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's so fun. It's really, really fun. And uh, if if uh, Porter is uh, too far a drive on the 16th of uh, July as well is the Stratford Peach Festival. So yes. also a great one. Yes. Uh, all right, Nate, what's your event? So um, have you guys been watching Miss Marvel, the new Disney Plus show take, that takes place in the MCU? I've been loving it. Yeah. It's really, really different than than the other MCU shows to come so far, um, which and it's really resurrected my love of one of this planet's great film traditions, by which I mean Bollywood, uh, which are films from the Indian subcontinent. Um, also, another one of my favorite movies, Slumdog Millionaire, and it's incredible banger of a soundtrack. Uh, so if you've always watched Bollywood dances and thought, well, I could do that. I mean, I admit, nobody, I, I don't dance, but I mean, I feel like I could do this, you know, one of these for a second uh, without looking too much like a dad. Um, so uh, if you've ever had that same thought, then you need to get to Oklahoma City's Myriad Botanical Gardens, which brings Bollywood to its Dancing in the Garden summer series from 7 to 10 p.m. this Friday, July 15th. Bring all your favorite dancing queens and kings and learn the basics of Bollywood dances before the DJ turns up the tunes for a night of summer fun you won't forget. And when you need a pick-me-up from all this dancing, food and drink specials will be available on site. And I'm excited about that, too. For more information, call 405 445-7080 or click the events tab at myriadgardens.org oh folks what does summer taste like 
As someone who recently lost his sense of taste, thanks a lot, COVID, I have no idea. I used to think it tasted like watermelon and sunscreen and corn on the cob, while my current summer tastes like zinc pills and tissues with lotion and being stuck in bed. So please forgive me for being especially jealous of all the hail hearty and functional taste bud having folks who can head to Broken Arrow Central Park on July 16th for the Taste of Summer Ice Cream Festival. This one has it all, a family fun zone with inflatables and face painting, a car show, art vendors, food trucks, live music, a steak cook-off, and ice cream, and not a little ice cream. No, sir, and or madam. Broken Arrow is home to the Bluebell Creamery, so attendees of this event can have all-you-can-eat Bluebell ice cream. If that isn't living the dream, I don't know what is. Wristbands for entry are $7 online and $8 at the gate. Visit BrokenArrowChamber.com for more information. I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on the part of that where you said you eat sunscreen. Uh, it, yeah. No, you, you guys get don't. it in your mouth. Like when you're sweaty, it like runs down your face because you should be putting sunscreen on your face every day. And then it gets in your mouth and it kind of flavors. Right, I don't know what parts of the internet you've been reading, but sunscreen, eating sunscreen is not a cure for COVID. <laughs> okay, well, sorry about that. Thanks a lot, CDC. <laughs> <sighs> Much like Gloria Gaynor, we are surviving. We are surviving. Uh, all right. The sound of a thousand peaches crying out in the darkness means that <laughs> Oklahoma Today podcast has come to a close. Join us again next week, or if you just can't get enough, head over to oklahomatoday.com and pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now. Look for the very handsome painting of Bob Dylan. Uh, you can send your feedback to OKTPod at travelok.com, and we will talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elwell, Carly Ibarra, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production held by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit oklahomatoday.com. Goodbye. Good to see your faces. I miss you guys. <laughs>